points of this entire series is to help us as people turn inside out. We're going to naturally think about ourselves. It's part of the deal. But God has called us to think a little bit differently, to think outside of ourselves, and as a church, to do the same. We won't have a problem continuing on in what we do inside the walls, all right? We're, we're programmed for that, okay? But we do have to intentionally say, what are we doing and how are we intentionally helping those that are outside of this room right now? People that don't know God, people that have been hurt by, by church, whatever the case is, how are we reaching out to help them? And so serving our city is one of, uh, kind of one of the cogs in the wheel of this process. So again, we have two weeks left after today. And we've talked about quite a few things. We've talked about God's heart for humanity, how he views humanity, which a lot of times is different than the way that we view humanity because we have filters, our experiences, people that hurt us, right? We we tend to start looking at people through what we've experienced in life. And so if we've encountered a lot of mean people, we look at everybody as mean. If we've encountered a lot of great people, then we just always see through rose-colored lenses. People are just, they're gonna choose to do good. I just believe. And that's all of our optimists in the room and all of our realists who are pessimists, right? (laughs) Because pessimists always... (laughs) think they're right. Um, (laughs) They're like, there's no way. Humanity's doomed. And I don't disagree with you, as I tend to find myself in the latter. But, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to just see people that way. But God views humanity very differently. He views humanity in a pure sense. He has this certain way of seeing people. And we have to align ourselves with how he views humanity, not the other way around. So we talked about uh, about having a heart for people. We talked about having compassion, having eyes to see the need and actually do something about it to the best of our ability. Um, I will say this, when it comes to serving people, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of issues in our culture. There's poverty, there's sickness, there's a ton of things that guys, honestly, we're not gonna fix. We're not gonna fix it. But we can affect it. Okay, and so uh, if you're like me, if you see a big need and you tend to get to that place in your mind where you're like, I don't even know where to start. Usually after that, we just don't do anything, (laughs) right? Or it's just too big of a problem. And we don't realize that if you reduce that problem down to size and you you say, okay, I I might can't be a part of fixing the entire thing, but who am I around that I can't affect? That I, can, that I can improve their quality their, of life or their situation? What has God given me that I can help others with? And that's really the heart of it. So last week, we talked about being an ambassador. We were in 2 Corinthians 5, and we talked about being an ambassador of Christ, that as we go, we, ha- we have to represent him well. Now, here's the deal. If you believe in Jesus, if, you're, if you call yourself a Christian, you are an ambassador, all right? You represent Jesus. So it's not a question of whether you're an ambassador. It's, it's whether you're a good one or a bad one. <laughs> right? So welcome. You're an ambassador. And as a representative, you have a lot of authority behind you. Come on, an ambassador of the United States, whenever they go wherever and they represent United States, they represent the president, they represent the military, they represent, I mean, they have a big backing. And as Christians, we have a big backing. God has got our back. Come on. The Bible says that the, the, the gates of hell don't stand a chance. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's a promise. That's a fact. 
In our lifetime, we might not feel it all the time, but I can tell you this, at the end of the day, it's true. And so we're ambassadors in a foreign country, which is this world. We think differently, we act differently. But this week, as an ambassador, uh, we're gonna face, we know that we're gonna face opposition. And so this week, we're gonna talk about the fight of a believer. Whenever you declare that you are on one side, that you are an ambassador of one country, you automatically, especially if it's a time of unrest, you have automatically sided with that country. And now you are in opposition to the other. So just by calling yourself a Christian, every single person in here, honestly, for a lot of you, just showing up to church today, just saying, I go to church, that in itself, you have, you have chosen a side. And especially if you choose to follow Jesus and you, and you say, I'm a follower of Christ, you have chosen a side. Therefore, you are automatically enlisted into war. You're automatically in, enlisted into this fight. There, you don't get around that. You can't, you can't go around that. And some people think that Christianity, it's sort of like, like the battle is whenever you're serving Satan, right? That's where the battle is. And that's where it's, blah. and then whenever you choose to serve Jesus, like it's just... Man, all of that bad stuff went away. <laughs> and, and it's not true, all right? It's not true. And it's not what the Bible says. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said they're gonna hate you. Okay. What makes us think that by serving Jesus, we would have a different result than he did? I don't know. We're Americans, and so I guess we just think that it's just, we're entitled to it, right? We're not. And the Bible never entitled us to it. God never entitled, he said the opposite. And Paul, by the way, let me give you some context around Corinthians. Paul was an apostle. Basically, he went around, he has a crazy story in and of itself where he used to kill Christians and then he got converted and his name was Saul and it turns into Paul. And then the very people that he was killing, he ends up going to and helping them move their cause forward. But, but he converts and, and so he starts these churches, these gatherings, much like this, they didn't have electricity yet, but it was close, okay? And um, so, so he starts these churches and he turns them over to somebody and then he would keep going on. And, but what he would do is he would write letters back to these churches. And many times he was encouraging them, like, hey man, y'all remember, remember what we talked about? And I just wanna encourage you in that, keep moving forward. And other times he was like, do you, do you guys even remember what we talked about? Because <laughs> you're not doing what I told you to do. All right, Paul was... Very gracious, but he was also very human. And you could, you could sense frustration in his writings at times because he's like, guys, it's almost like the children of Israel that we just talked about, where they came out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of having to make brick with no straw, out of, you know, if you read the, the story, you know, out of all of that into freedom and liberty. And then when they got out, they realized they actually liked the bondage. They actually enjoyed it, not having to have the responsibility of the freedom that they had, they had, been, uh, that had been given to them, right? It's a lot of things. And what is it? These are all schemes and plans of the enemy. The enemy is all about killing, destroying you, your life, your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your soul. He's all about it. And what, what actually happens is the schemes and the plans of the enemy actually look more desirable than true freedom, true freedom. Paul's like, guys, I need to like shake you and remind you about the freedom that you have in Christ. Don't go back, 
keep pressing forward. And so, so he's reminding them, and, and honestly what he's doing too is he's preparing their mind. Like, like uh, you're about to go to war, so I wanna break you down mentally and help you understand what you're about to get into. It's sort of like boot camp, all right? I've never, I never went to boot camp, but uh, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. So um, I'm joking. I don't actually give any validity to that. But I've watched a lot of videos. And, and one thing I do know about boot camp is that they are breaking you down mentally. They're breaking you down. It, they, they've got to break that will. And, and a big mentality of boot camp is to remove the civilian out of somebody and place in them this mindset of a top-notch soldier, a military personnel who's ready to, to do what it takes to, to fight for their country and to, you know, whatever the case might be sit in an office, whatever it would be, depending on what you sign up for, okay? But, but that's really what Paul is kind of bringing to, this, to, the, to the church in Corinth. He's like, guys, remember that as ambassadors, you're gonna face opposition. So he's messing with their mindset. So this is what he says in verse four of chapter six. In everything that we do, now, whenever I say we, the rest of this, this is us. This isn't just Corinth, okay? This is us. And everything that we do, we show or we prove that we are true ministers or true, like authentic, for real followers, servants, ministers of God. And everything that we do and the way that we engage in life and the way that we think, all of these things, we prove and we show that we are true followers of God. And again, Paul is saying, hey, Lord, uh, hey, guys, it's not that, that we won't have hardships as true followers of God, as, as authentic followers of God. He says this, it's that we're gonna walk through them differently. As believers, the promise is not that we won't have to go through hardships. The promise is that God will be with us in them, okay? That he's, he's gonna walk with us through them. God's will is that none perish, all have life. But we live in a broken world, y'all. So we're gonna encounter things. We're gonna encounter hardships. And this is what Paul says. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of all and every kind. We patiently endure them. Not we may have to. <laughs> it's you're going to, so how are you going to? Well, first off, we patiently endure these hard times. And then he says, we have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. He starts framing up the things that he has been through personally. Not everybody that listened and was reading this letter probably had been through that, but what he was saying is he was setting a standard. He was like, hey guys, like this is where your mind has to be. This is more than likely the stuff that you're gonna have to deal with. This is the stuff that I've dealt with. You're gonna have to endure these hardships, but you're gonna endure them patiently. He's rallying the troops, okay? Look, the, things, the thing about hardships and trials is that those things test your faith. Your faith, again, I'm, I'm gonna steal the words from, from Pastor Mike, our Wiggins Campus pastor. He says this quite a bit. He says, faith isn't faith in, unless it's tested. You can apply that to trust. Trust isn't trust until it's tested. You can apply that to your marriage. A good marriage ain't a good marriage until it's been tested a time or two, right? Because what happens when you walk through fire? 
It burns away extra things that don't matter, but it also it conditions and it hardens you and it prepares you for more. I was watching videos a couple weeks ago. I followed this, uh, this, this uh, account on Instagram and it's basically the most <laughs> dangerous jobs out there and it's ridiculous all the stuff that these, some of these guys do. I just, I'm like, <laughs> you know, uh, and one of them, they, they were talking about forges. It was, it was uh, all these pictures of forges and how they form these, I mean, I'm talking engines and all sorts of parts and it was a lot of heat. It was a lot of pressure, but at the end of the day, if the, if the steel doesn't go through that, it's of no use. It can't stand the pressure whenever it's actually in the, in the 18 wheeler or in the ship, whatever it is that it's going and it can't stand the pressure. And guys, look, as Christians, in order for us to be extremely useful in the hand of God, we are going to walk through difficult times. I believe that the church of God would be a lot stronger if we had a good amount of persecution in it. I think that, that, that we would be a little bit more apt to, to take it on the chin and still remain faithful and unshaken in our faith in God. So failures and hardships and trials test our faith. But I'll tell you this, in America, this is something that, that I see that's it's actually maybe more dangerous, is success, comfort. That success tests parts of your heart that will not be tested if you aren't elevated, if you aren't successful in your efforts. One of the things is I'm praying, God, would you help me to do this? Would you put people in my life that can help me to just, you know, heal and do this, blah, 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 blah. And he does, and he's faithful. And then after we get good, we get all healed up or successful in our business or whatever it is, all of a sudden it converts, turns around, and, and now we don't have time to serve the God that set us free. Does that not sound like a trap to you guys? Does that not sound like success that converts and turns around and ends up biting us in the, in, in the backside, right? Of course. Why? Because the enemy has many, many schemes, many plans. God does, but so does he. And so we get drawn away by our selfish desires. We get drawn. Look, let me tell you something, guys. Not everything you go through is some demon attached to your hip that's literally pulling you down and dragging you down. <laughs> I got him now. You know, not everything. Okay. Some things, possibly, I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but not everything. Some things, it's just a scheme. It's a plan. It's a temptation. It's a, it's a selfish desire, whatever it is. And we have choices to make. So trials test faith. Success tests faith. But Paul is basically heading in a direction saying, how do we endure these things? How do we endure the good, the bad, the painful? How do, we, how do we walk through these things as believers? What does it look like? And this is what he said, verse six, we prove ourselves by our purity, by our understanding, by our patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us. And by our sincere love, we faithfully, faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. What Paul is attributing, he's attributing the, the, the credit and the glory for the reason that he's been able to walk through all of these hardships. He's giving that credit to the power of the spirit operating in his life. He's talking about the fruit of the spirit. He's talking about being spirit filled and spirit led. A lot of people have hijacked those words and turned it maybe into something weird or mysterious. But the spirit of God operating in your life and empowering you is a promise from Jesus. 
that he would send the Holy Spirit to empower you to empower you to, to live by faith, not by sight, to live in purity, not impurity, to give you understanding. The gifts of the Spirit, if you read the Bible, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. These are things that the Spirit produces in us to build up the body of Christ. It's not spooky, it's not strange, it's holy, it's good. This past week, we had a, a leadership class that we had people graduate out of it. And so at the end of that class, all the pastors, we, we, we go and we pray for every person. We lay hands on them and we just, we just pray over them. And, uh, and so we were doing that. And, um, and beforehand, I told them, I said, you know, guys, as we pray for you, just be open. Like one of the pastors, we might have like a, a word for you. And I don't want you to get freaked out about that and weirded out. It's biblical. A word of knowledge, which is just God that shows somebody something to say to you, to bring or to, uh, to align or confirm something that God's already speaking to them. And you'd be astonished at how many people, man, walked out of that place um, a little bit more faith-filled when it comes to the fact that God still moves in that way. Because it happened. It was beautiful, it was awesome, and it was encouraging, and guess what it did? It built up the body. But here's the deal, guys. We're not just called to operate in that on a Sunday morning. Some people confine that whole entire conversation to what we're doing right here. And it's so much more than that. Actually, it's supposed to be used more Monday through Saturday. As we go, the people we're around, that we would you know, have this connection with God, that he would lead us in, into conversations to where we can help people. It's about being filled with the spirit. And we want the same thing. We wanna be spirit led. As believers, we want the spirit of God to operate in us and through us. Verse seven goes on and he says, we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. Come on, it's a, it's a shield and a sword. Ephesians six talks about the armor of God that we wear. And these things are mentioned in it. It also talks about a helmet and a, and a breastplate and a belt and, and our feet being protected with, with peace and truth and the gospel. And the, the word of God is a sword. Did you guys know that the things, the way that we live our life, we don't do on our own. We do with the things that God has given us, that he's empowered us with. He's given us his word as a standard, as something to hold to, especially in times that we don't know the answer in times where we're weak, that we can turn to the word of God, that we can read it and we can be realigned with what God thinks, not stay where we think and where we feel. You understand? Like this is stuff is supposed to be a weapon in our hand for defense and offense. Any good fighter doesn't just have a good offense because they're gonna walk away bloody and bruised. They might've knocked the guy out, but they also broke half their face, you know, if they're a boxer. They better have a good, they better be able to bob and weave, you know? I can't do none of that, so um, I don't fight. I'm also usually 50% the size of the person that I would be fighting, so I just, high five, man, you got me, you're good. We're good, man. Call the cops, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Run away! <laughs> Any? Yeah, a couple. Coconuts. All right. So um, I reached a very small few of you in there in that, in that joke, but uh, the ones who got it are like, yes, I think I'll come back next week. This is, this is good. Um, he's like, guys, be built up, be strong. And I want to tell you guys in this place today, be built up. Be strong, lean into the armor of God, not your own intellect, lean into the word of truth. Use the sword, use the shield. 
Because when it comes to this spiritual battle that we're in, your opinions have no power. Your, your thought process in and of itself, you can't defend yourself from the enemy. Your open game. We're in the age of intellectualism. Everybody knows. Everybody can Google it. When it comes to a fight in your family where you don't have the answer, sometimes the only fight that you have, the only weapon is prayer. It's the only weapon you got because you're like, God, I've, I've been trying and I got nothing left. So what do you do? You pray, you stand, you stop trying. You put down all those arms, all those physical things. Some of you have been arguing nonstop in your family trying to make something happen. You've been yelling, you've been getting louder and louder. I want to encourage you to do something. Number one, shut up. Just, just shut up, all right? Yelling at one another does not do anything. I know because I've been there. Been married for 12 years. Oh, no, we have a great marriage, but there was times that it was not very good. And, and this is what happened. I wasn't looking at our arguments at the disunity in our home as a spiritual battle. I was looking at it as an emotional and a physical one. And I was, look, every Sunday afternoon in our home was the worst possible day that we'd ever have. And it was, I was youth pastor for a while and it was after church and it was before uh, youth service started on Sunday nights. There was a four hour window that I could set my clock to it that we would explode in a rage of, fit of rage on each other. And it was like, what is it? Finally one day I'm like, what is this? And it was like, God's like, idiot, you know what I'm saying? Like, you've been trying to work this out. You need to realize that, that it's, it's just a scheme. It's the plan of the enemy to divide you guys to where you are. In, it's an impossibility to step out on Sunday nights with any sort of confidence because you're just trying to maintain unity in your marriage and your home. We're in spiritual battles a lot of times and we don't even recognize it. So instead of arguing, maybe you should pray. We've got, to, we've got to see the plan of the enemy and not fall for it every single time. You've got to stop falling for the same thing. Is it difficult to not fall for the same thing? Yes, I tell you what makes it easier. Praying, getting better friends who support you and, and, and can, can bring you into a different vein of thinking other than the world's concept of everything. And being faithful in, in moments like these showing up to church, seeking God, I can tell you, your mind, your heart begins to change. It's a promise. God said, renew your mind. He'll renew it with you by his spirit, but also you have to work as well. It's a both and. He says, we use these weapons. We use our holiness, our love, our compassion for people as weapons. It's not weakness. It sets us apart. These serve projects. Come on, y'all. Let's go serve people. A lot of people that we may disagree with or not understand, but let's go serve them because maybe in the moments that we serve, we might find some understanding. We might find more patience. I tell you this, the, yeah, the people, that, the people that you don't understand or you get more like, angry at, I wanna encourage you to do the opposite, which is not distance yourself from them, but to engage and get closer to them. You'll see something miraculous take place. The people that you used to be angry at, you'll understand. And you won't have this, this opposition to them. You'll have this compassion for them. It's a completely different way of living, guys. He says this fight that we will face has a lot to do with the, people's, the people around us, their words and their accusations. And Paul is teaching us how to deal with it and how to address it. 
The opposition that we will face many times might not be a whip over our back or imprisonment because of our belief system, but many times it'll be a post on Facebook, (laughs) right? It'll be an article. It'll be a law that's enacted that's against our belief system. It'll be these types of things. And how are we going to address these things? How are we going to engage with that? Are we going to get angry? Are we going to pick up a gun and try to do something about it? Are we going to fight a war, revolution? Or are we going to do what Paul says? He says, we serve God, whether people, we serve God, we follow God, we, 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 we seek him, we love him, whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they'll call us imposters. I'm being honest. No, you're not. We are ignored, even though we're well known. The church may be ignored, but I can tell you what, the church is well known. Come on. We're on the winning side, y'all. Just in case you didn't know. We're on the winning side. Maybe not while our heart is still physically beating. But at the end of the day, we're on the winning side. The gates of hell won't stand a chance. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We have been beaten, but we haven't been killed. Our hearts ache but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. Whenever he says poor, he's talking about poor as spirit. So there's a lot of people around us that are poor in spirit and they're also poor. They don't have a lot of things to have, materialistic things. He says we may be materialistically poor, but we are not spiritually poor. We can give spiritual riches to others. I love this right here. We own nothing, yet we have everything. Because if we have Jesus, if we have our faith, if we have God with us, there's nothing that can stand against us and we don't lose in the end. We have everything that we need. I want to encourage you guys with something. We can't be afraid of people and we can't be afraid of inconvenience. It's about a a year and a half ago or or so, there was some situations going on and and I was struggling with how to um, deal with them. On a, on a pastoral level. And I, you know, I was just struggling. I was like, I'm not really sure how to say that or how to word that or what to do because I, 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 I. and uh, so I called a buddy of mine who's a pastor in Louisiana and I was, I was just kind of dumping it all out there and everything was just join it and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'll just kind of cut to the, the chase. He basically said, Jordan, are you afraid of people? <laughs> are you afraid of, of a consequence for standing on what you believe in? And uh, I was like, yep. I'm pretty honest, pretty transparent. I said, yeah, honestly, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. And, um, and he said, well, let, me, let me help you out with something. He said, listen, if you're obedient to God and what he's speaking to your heart and you say something and people reject it, well, he said this, he said, first off, if you love them well and you serve them well and you respect them, maybe they'll do the same for you. Maybe they'll do the same. He said, however, if you say what needs to be said in the right way with the right heart and it's rejected and you're whatever thrown out there for the wolves, he said, count it up as persecution and move on. And I was like, thanks, man. I was like, that's right. Why? Because I was getting weak. 
I was letting fear seep in to what God was wanting to speak. And it was canceling out what maybe some people needed to hear. I'm telling you guys, look, there's no getting around it, y'all. As believers, at the end of the day, we're going to believe things. We're going to stand up for things in the right way with love and grace. But we're going to stand in opposition to some very powerful principalities that we can't see, touch, or feel. The enemy. And we've got to be geared up for it. Mentally, we've got to be geared up for it spiritually. We've got to be ready for this fight. Because for some of us, we're already in it, in our families and in our relationships. And as the church, I really believe that it's going to intensify. I think that right now we can believe what we want to believe to a certain extent, right? But at some point, it's, it, I think it's going to continue to cost us more. And again, as we go through trials, it tests our faith. Is this truly what I believe? Is this truly what I'm willing to give my life for? Paul was totally prepared for it. So I have three questions for you, very simple questions, and this is how we're going to close down the day. Number one is this. Are you prepared for this fight? Nobody else around you, just you. Are you prepared to encounter trials and hardships for the cause of Christ, for standing up for what you believe in? And I'm not talking about with a picket sign, guys. I'm talking about in your family where it's like, hey, guys, look, maybe it's with your aunts and your uncles or your, your brothers or whatever. It's like, hey, guys, I, I'm not going to live this life anymore because God has really been changing my heart. And I know that I'm not supposed to walk this path anymore. And so... I love you guys, but I can no longer ride with you guys. I can no longer do this anymore. I've got to go a different direction. And do you know that a lot of people will turn on you at that moment? They'll mock you. They'll speak against you. They'll go to all your other, your other friends and, and make you sound like a moron. Can you endure that? We're not even talking about somebody with a club. We're, you know what I'm saying we're not talking about physical, we're talking about emotional warfare, spiritual warfare. Are we willing? Are we prepared? Are we geared up? I think a lot of people, they show up to a spiritual battle, a spiritual fight, and it's a, it's a gunfight, and they got a, they got a knife. <laughs> they showed up to a much more intense battle than what they thought it would be, and they get taken out. Are you prepared for this fight? Number two, what's your weaknesses? Everybody's got a weakness. Come on. We all got struggles. We got stuff. And listen, in any fight, if somebody knows that somebody has a weakness, they're going to go for it. Look at a football game. If the quarterback got a, got, a, got a bum knee, guess what those defensive linemen are looking for? How can I take out his legs? They wouldn't say that, of course. Wouldn't say that. That'd be against the rules. But you know what's going on. It's the enemy. The enemy has no rules. What's the weakness? Oh, you were abused as a child. Let's see how I can play off of that for the rest of your life and keep you fruitless and bound to sin. And let me, let's see how I can do that. Like, oh, you, you have a trouble with a lying. Let me, just, let me just entice you more. Let me, just, let me just create environments where you can just continue to stay in that place. Oh, you're saved. Well, how can I do that? How, what can I do? Okay, well, religion, that would work. How about just do these rules? Don't take it outside the walls. That way you're no threat. Be fruitless in your Christianity. That'll be fine. I'll let you have that. One person gets to heaven, all the rest that that person would have affected doesn't get affected. There's schemes, y'all. What's your weakness? 
Because weakness is like having a gaping wound in your side, but yet you're trying to lift your sword to fight it. You're not going to be able to do it. God wants to heal you. God created you, the whole person of you, your body, your soul, your spirit. He created you and he knows you much better than you know yourself. And he knows what you need to be restored. Will it be difficult? Yeah. But will it be worth it? Absolutely. He wants to restore you. What's your weakness? We have freedom groups here at Northwood Church, and these freedom groups are designed to help you encounter some hard, uh, ask some hard questions in your life. Get around some people that can help you be restored. I wanna encourage all of you coming up in February, if you haven't been through one, to get in one, because as we fight, you gotta be healthy. As you move forward in your life, you've gotta be healthy. What's your weakness? Number three, some of you in this place need to ask this question. Are you saved and empowered for this fight? Are you saved? This whole access to the presence and the spirit of God that Paul is talking about is not accessible to someone who has not first believed in Jesus and accepted the free gift of salvation. It's putting the cart before the horse. You can't look and say, I'm gonna be like Paul, but yet not have made a decision to follow the God that he was talking about in the first place. You can't do it, it doesn't work. Not all religions, not all belief systems lead to life. Most of them, except one, leads to death. Does it sound the same? Can I, can I help you think something different here? Do a lot of religions sound the same? Absolutely. But could it be that the one that is led by one that is called the father of lies, deception, the king of it, could possibly have hijacked great, awesome biblical principles that God created to use them as a counterfeit to draw people away from the one true God. Absolutely. You're like, well, man, I look at all and they're kind of all the same. I know. Except they're missing one piece of the puzzle. Jesus. They're missing redemption. They're missing a sincere love and unconditional grace that only our God offers. All of the other ones, you got to do a few things to get there. God's like, there's nothing you could do to possibly get where I'm at. You've fallen short of the glory, all of you. But because I love you, I sent Jesus. And what he did is he lived like you can't, perfect, blameless. And he died on a cross and his blood that hadn't been touched by sin was shed to pay the penalty for you. And now you don't have to, you're free. You have an option to get out of Egypt. You have a way. You don't have to live in the bondage that you're experiencing. Moses went to Egypt and he began to declare that God was gonna deliver his people. And they had to go through a lot of hardships, but eventually guess what? They made it to the promised land. But along the way, a lot of people forgot what God had done for them. And a lot of you in this place today, number one, you've either never walked out of Egypt, you've ne either never made a choice to follow Jesus, you've never confessed it, or number two, you have at one point, but for whatever reason, Egypt just seems so worth it. And you turned around and you went back. But the thing about God is that his grace is still sufficient for you. His love is still outstretched towards you. Don't allow the great deceiver to make you think that you've, you've gone past that place. If, if there's still a drawing inside of you, if God is still speaking to you, it's not too late, man. 
God doesn't deny a broken and a contrite heart. So if you're in this place today, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. But I also wanna reach out to those of you who may find yourself in this place, one that says, I'm really doing okay. I'm not really following God. I'm not really obeying all of those things that you're talking about. I'm not doing all of that kind of stuff. And honestly, I don't feel like I need to because look at my life. It's really good. My marriage is, is really good and I don't, I don't have God in it. My finances are really doing, right? You're, you're grabbing onto these things. I wanna, I wanna quote C.S. Lewis to you because I think it's a very powerful statement. He says this, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. It's the gradual drift into death. And you don't even know it. Your, 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 your heart is blinded to the reality of death and destruction. And in this moment today, the words that you're hearing you're responsible for. You're responsible to respond or reject the grace of God, but you can respond and accept today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in this place and you're far from God, you know it. I wanna say a prayer and in your own words, or you can use mine, I want you to pray to your God and ask him to forgive you, to ask him to help you to turn from this life that you're living into the one that he has for you. His grace is here, he loves you. Let's pray. God, I come before you right now. I'm humbled, I am broken, I am surrendered. And God, I'm asking that you would forgive me of the way that I've been thinking and living, the way that I've been acting. God, where, where I knew that there was something more, but I kept rejecting it, today I give in. I say yes to you. God, you said that you would fill me with your spirit, with your power to live out this life. And I ask for that right now. God, I ask that you would clothe me in your righteousness, like the Bible says, that you would, you would clothe my nakedness, the, the, the things that I'm exposed to in this life, that you would clothe me and protect me and fill me. I open up my life to you. God, I pray that you would be glorified in the way that I live and the way that I act. I give all that I am to you in Jesus' name. I wanna to continue to pray for all of us in this place today. Father, we just open up our hearts to you. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are here. God, even at times whenever it feels like you are far away, that we are in a season where it's dry. God, we remain steadfast. We, we, we remain unshaken because God, we know that your promises never fail. So even whenever we don't feel it, God, we're gonna faith it because God, we know and we believe and we lean into what your word says. And your word says that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are gracious, that you're compassionate, you're with us, you're carrying us through the storms. And so God, we align ourselves with you. God, we pray for Northwood Church that we would be a, a house where you reside. God, that the people, that we would be open as, as the priests, God representing the temple, that we would be open for you to work in and through us. We love you and we thank you. And we pray that you would empower us to fight this fight of faith with strength, with stability, because God, at the end of the day, we wanna see you. God, we wanna experience heaven with you. We wanna know what it's all about. 
We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.